Good day, and welcome to The Pandemic Show. Stories of the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. No one is alone on The Pandemic Show. Today's pandemic story comes from Suk Champa, an essential worker and poet from Hamilton, Ontario. Suk shares how the pandemic triggered his PTSD from a near-death experience with meningococcal meningitis when he was a young adult. He identifies another important pandemic, loneliness. Suk discusses the importance of art and how he hopes we can collectively log off and seek human connection. At the end of the show, Dave recites Pandemic Blossom, a new poem inspired by a blossoming Christmas cactus and a call to action tweet by Sarah Harmer about Mount Nemo being back up for development. Hi, and welcome to the Pandemic Show. Today we're talking to Suk Champa from Hamilton about life during the pandemic. Hey, Suk, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm very good. What was your life like before the pandemic? So life before the pandemic, my partner was living in Hamilton. I was living in Kitchener. I was in university. I was taking three classes at the time, but I was actually going to class. I was going to lectures and I was working pseudo part-time, I guess, like, I don't know, like three shifts a week. I'm a housing support worker. That's basically what I was doing. And just not sleeping a lot, working all the time, commuting and trying to work on music. So work life, music, balance. Try, yep, trying to keep the balance for sure. Then the pandemic started. Can you just tell us a little bit about when the pandemic started to affect you and came into your life? And then what have been the ups and downs since it started? Started getting like a whiff of the fact that there could be a lockdown. I finished a night class, I think it was a Wednesday, when I'd have like six o'clock, like 6 p.m. classes. And I got out around like 8.30. And once I started getting a whiff that something could happen, I went and got some supplies and then like just to be completely transparent it's almost like that's when like the panic started emerging it's wild because like it's not even locked down yet or anything like that i go to a grocery store and i see that like the toilet paper is like (laughs) not out not out so i'm like actually do you know what this is a reasonable amount you know so Me being like just the natural sales enthusiast that I am, I just, I bought like maybe a little more toilet paper. I'll admit it. I will be completely transparent. Then You weren't um, weren't alone, Suck. You weren't alone. I know. I know whether people admit it or not. I know there's some other uh, like enthusiasts out there that were afraid they're going to poop more than they actually did during the pandemic so i went grocery shopping and i i got some toilet paper and then i headed home i think i went to the gym and then after that i was a man possessed almost it's it's like 
something took over my body and I would just go out and prepare. I wasn't overly excessive, but I would get things to try and give them to my family too. I knew this was the PTSD in me that emerged, like especially looking back at it. So just to give some context to the listeners, I'm a survivor of meningococcal meningitis. There was the outbreak that happened in 1997 in Kitchener. A few people got meningitis, two of which died. Everyone freaked out and panicked, even though a few people got sick, but it was like a deadly disease, right? Yeah. And from my knowledge, two young women died. They were in high school. I was in secondary school, so I fell into a coma. And then, you know, eventually I woke up super, super sick, hospitalized for a long time, major amputations to my fingers and toes and all that. It was a big deal in Kitchener. Then there's those mass vaccinations that happened, right? And like all these kids under a certain age had to get vaccinated because a lot of people were not vaccinated to fight meningitis. So just to give everyone a little context, the PTSD within me emerged and I was being possessed because it was fight or flight and whatever spirit that was within me chose fight. Mm -hmm. So I was stocking up, not to ridiculous amounts. Like I wouldn't take everything there, but I did take more than I needed because I wanted to give it to my family, my friends, and this or that. Sometimes when you go insane, you think you're being logical, but you aren't. That was a big part of when the pandemic hit. And then eventually I had to go into isolation because my partner had come into contact with someone and that person lived with their, lived with someone and that person got COVID. Was it through the app or just word of mouth that they figured this out? Is word of mouth. Okay. Yeah. When it's a quarantine, isolate, yeah, quarantine and everything, tests went back negative. I still waited like the allocated amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then I returned to work. Like I, because I'm a support worker, I was a frontline worker. And so I had to go to work. Yeah. The, your, your clients needed you. Yeah. I just felt like so fortunate the fact that I could go to work because like who knew what was happening at that time. And a lot of people are out of work and a lot of uncertainty when their work's going to be coming back. Exactly. So I went back to work, but like my role changed a bit and I was delivering a lot of food for the food bank to people that like vulnerable populations or like immunocompromised people. So I delivered a lot of food as well as working as a housing support worker while also just still being insane. I was like eating, sleeping, drinking, sweating, breathing, panic sometimes. Like deliveries especially because I just wanted to make sure that when I was delivering the food, I was being as safe as humanly possible to make sure that I wasn't getting anyone sick. Pandemic's going, you find yourself in the middle of the the, the pandemic. The, the food distribution, helping people with food distribution. You're also helping people on the housing front. And now yeah. in the beginning of January, there's a curfew in Quebec. 
We're going towards stricter lockdowns in Ontario. The numbers are rising. One yeah. big difference I've noticed is that early on, not many people knew somebody who had passed away to COVID or been hospitalized or is sick with COVID. But yeah. now, nine months later, it's harder to find someone who hasn't been touched. There's a lot of things that are happening not just COVID, but everything else too. Like loneliness is, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's really interesting because come March, it's going to be what, like a year. Yeah. What are you finding comfort and hoping during the pandemic? So am I finding comfort and hope in the pandemic? Like, so I've always felt this way come the winter season. But I'm feeling it so much more, especially this winter season, is just like how grateful I am to actually have shelter and have a home I can come home to. Like there's no there's there's no greater feeling than like it being a snowstorm outside. This is like not COVID times, like just regular old times, snowstorm outside. You're just trekking along home, freezing, covered in snow. But when you step in the front door of your home and it's heated and you finally made it home, like that's such a beautiful, comforting, warm feeling. And and being like having a home right now just makes me feel very blessed. And, and just even though I don't talk to a lot of people the way I'd like to be talking to people right now. The fact that I know I could just call someone up and they'll be so happy to hear from me. It just makes me feel very loved. And I find a lot of comfort and hope in the amount of love that's out there, I guess. It's it's a cheat code answer. That is totally a cheat code answer. But Do you think true. you might have had COVID or anyone you know? Think they might have had COVID, but don't know for sure. I don't think I had COVID. It's funny, like when it was happening, first hit, I was convinced I was immune to COVID. Yet I was freaking out, but I was convinced I was like immune to it because of my medical history in the past. I beat meningitis. I woke up from a coma. Like what's COVID? Maybe that was a coping mechanism to help me get through the whole thing as well. But I never thought I had COVID what do you think that this pan this pandemic has helped shine a spotlight on the weaknesses in our society? What are some of those weaknesses that you think the pandemic has magnified in our society? Um, so it has magnified the importance of the arts community and art. And it has also magnified how little people support that community. Yeah. I, I think back to season one, when we talked to Dan Walsh, my favorite slide guitarist, he yeah. really went into detail how the hospitality industry has been affected and the arts community. And I love how you say that the importance of art is something that the pandemic is really showing you. And it's showing that to me too, because I know at different times and stages in the pandemic, I've been, feeling the pandemic blues and it was a hot day in July. DJ Commodore 64 was playing some music. I was physically distanced doing some dancing and an old cottonwood tree started cracking at my house. And okay. DJ Commodore 64 was doing a mashup with the Portland, Oregon, the, the Portland, Oregon protests against structural racism and the Breonna Taylor and, and Floyd and, 
it just really got me in the heart and it made me think, what could I do during the pandemic for myself and for others? And that's where the idea of the pandemic show came and also poetry and song really helped. I'd like when we end our interview to recite a poem that was inspired by Sarah Harmer's Twitter. I saw in December that Mount Nemo is up again for, for development, unfortunately, and it inspired me to write a poem uh, which I'd like to read to you at the end, but I really identify that the pandemic has shown us the importance of art, of the arts and culture. So, and it's also shown how precarious it was before the pandemic. I know episode 10, season one, we talked to James Gangle, an improv actor, and he said that before the pandemic, he was always looking for work. And now he's yeah. always looking for work, but there's less work just because of the shutdowns and how things are happening. The arts really seem to have kind of gone online. I know that's where I've been getting my fix of musicians and whatnot is watching them on their pages. And have you been doing a lot on, have you been doing a lot of performing or writing during the pandemic? I haven't. I haven't. Cause um too busy working. I've been working and I actually maintained being a student, but I switched to online. I, I feel like you're the same way as me. Like you would thrive in a classroom and you need to be part of that lecture in person and having to just stay on top of classes was challenging for me. So because I was in school and working and like maintaining a home that I didn't do a lot of making music per se, the goal now is I'm, I didn't go back to school this semester because I want to work on my music. But no, I haven't. I wasn't creative. I wasn't super creative, unfortunately. Well, when you come up with something inspired by this pandemic, send it to us. We'd love to add it on. and We'd love to put it on the pandemic show. I'm so down. Maybe your poem will ignite a fire within me. I want to go further during the pandemic. And I would really like to be a part of a dance floor anthem. So okay. maybe we could turn some of these poems into dance floor anthems real bangers i don't understand why they aren't dance floor anthems already yes oh i'm looking forward to going to <laughs> hillside music festival and performing my pandemic poems after the pandemic that should that should be happening let's let's plan it right now let's plan a tour the dance floor anthem i like it oh yeah. i'm feeling i'm feeling like i'm overcoming the pandemic more and more as we talk what do you hope that the world will be like post pandemics What do you think? Are we going to come out the other side better off, worse off? There's been lots of different opinions. Novella Carpenter, episode one, season two, she said we're entering now the age of pandemics. Started with AIDS, SARS, MERS. Even your case with meningitis kind of illustrates the point that there's lots of different kind of medical pandemics than Mo Mark. I mean, Season one, mm -hmm. episode eight, she talked about how climate change is an overarching pandemic, income inequality, structural racism, all of these different pandemics. And this COVID-19 one has shone a light on all of those. And it's brought hundreds of thousands, millions of people to the streets for social justice. So I do believe there's hope we're going to come out of this better than we went in. But then you see how income inequality is accelerating and you gotta wonder yeah you do have to wonder i like to think we will be better prepared and better equipped for the next pandemic if you will like it, it feels in inevitable 
that there would be another one. Let's be honest, like the real pandemic is global warming. As far as I'm concerned, like that's that's like the biggest concern, at least on my mind right now, because that affects the entire planet, literally. I am very concerned about like the, like how polarized, like the class is becoming, like the economic gap between rich and poor is widening. I was talking to my partner about how like, oh, people, just the whole quote unquote, will there be a housing crisis or the housing crisis? For example, it feels like there, I feel like there won't be a housing crisis because all the people that can afford houses are the ones that weren't actually affected by the pandemic because they're still working. The only difference is they haven't been burning all their money going to wherever they go to Olive Garden or, <laughs> or yeah. this or that. Yes. Yeah. I just, my hope, my hope is like to kind of answer, go back to one of your questions before, like it's also shun light on just how divided we are in some ways. Like there's a lot of opposing opinions, but I, I think that's a product of just like the internet and Twitter battles and all that nonsense and all that. My hope is that we just like log off a bit and try and seek out human connection mm-hmm. so we can start having actual conversations and try and hear one another. Everything is just so reactionary and people, it feels like people are less accountable or feel like they don't need to be as accountable when expressing their thoughts, concerns, opinions, or what they care about because we're so far removed from each other. And so I'm hoping we could just log off and not have to rely on technology as much as we were before the pandemic. Let's be honest, we were already way too attached in a lot of ways or like not paying attention to the world around us. Instead, we were just staring down at that, like that screen, that screen. Exactly. I I know a common theme in these fireside chats around the pandemic is how technology seems to be making easier by keeping us connected while we're apart. But I, I think one of the things I've noticed in mine is I feel more connected to nature as I'm spending more time out in it as it is a safe place. Like there's no social regulations on how close you can get to a tree. You can hug every one of them. You can hug every tree you want. <laughs> there is no regulation on how close you can get to a tree. So I wonder, it's interesting when you say that, I wonder if people will get more connected to nature and and people are maybe going back to the land a little bit more. Cause I hear a lot of people are worried about food security and doing some gardening different places around the world to deal with the income inequality issue. I wonder if human basic incomes might be something that comes to fruition after, or as we move through this pandemic, I know that the United nations and other organizations have said that the world needs some radical change. And I think this pandemic has shown us that we can do radical change. They've organized, like we seem to have organized so, so much, to like countries have worked together to come up with a vaccine. You know, there's so many ways that we're working together. I wonder Mm -hmm. if we'll work together in terms of having implementing human basic incomes and dealing with some of these income inequality issues that, that are just, you know, they're becoming, they're becoming so bad. 
we can't ignore yeah. them much longer. Like there's the lineups of the food banks are longer. Housing insecurity is an issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, time will tell, I suppose. Time will tell. So I would love to read to you Pandemic Blossom. I was sitting in my okay. living room. I was sitting in my living room looking at the Christmas cactus that my auntie had given me in full bloom. I just read on Sarah Harmer's Twitter that Mount Nemo was up for exploitation and development. And I was inspired. I was inspired to write this poem, Pandemic Blossom. And so hopefully with your your help, we can turn this into a dance hall banger, a number one hit. Okay, let's hear it. Pandemic Blossom. Reach toward the sunlight of your potential. Grow to the light of your interests. Creep through the rustling leaves following the calls of your dreams. Be thankful for the bounty of trust, hard work, and fellowship. Reach for those loved ones around you. Reach right through the microphone, camera, speaker, and screen. Follow the moonlight to the garden of your imagination. Know it's right to love the trees, wetlands, aquifers, rolling hills of the moraine to the peaks of Mount Nemo to protect our wild places together, even apart. Our role as Earth's protector is clear. Is clear. I don't think I don't think you need help to make that an anthem, a dance anthem. I think it's already that. Oh, I I don't know if you saw, but like I started like perking up my shoulders, started getting straight. I just like wanted to like rise towards the sun outside of the screen. The power of art, the power of poetry. I got here's a line that I wrote on a song. Said, "We became more connected to disconnect when we replaced sunshine with memes of sunset." Oh, suck. We got to collaborate, please. Yeah, we have to. We got to, we, we should make, remember like Dance Mix 97 with much music and stuff like that. We need like a- I was uh, there. I was there, Suck. And so was I. And those were, those were great times. Those were good, good compilation albums. So you heard it here first, people of the pandemic. Suck and Dave, we're collaborating. Yep. Get ready. Get ready. We're creating our own compilation album of pandemic anthems, poetry anthems, is it? And then we're coming, Hillside, with your permission. We're coming to the poetry stage post-pandemic, the world after. I love it. Well, Suk, I want to really, I want to thank you for your time today, highlighting the importance of the arts in, for all of us getting through this, these challenges and the, and the tough time that the community is having. Uh, it reminds me of a quote from a musician. The one thing that you can do if you're having a bad day is pour some music on it and that'll turn it around. I love it. Thank you very much, Sook. And we look forward to touching base with you again later on in the pandemic. I'm looking forward to it too. Be well, be safe. And I will hug a tree for you, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Sook. Pandemic blossom as a dance hall anthem? Yes, please. Thanks for listening to this week's story from the pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing the pandemic show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Stories from the pandemic, 
for the people of the pandemic.